Hello, and welcome to your spiritual journey. Right now, your soul is speaking to you. I'm Jenny Israel, and I'm a medical intuitive, energy healer, spiritual activator, counselor, and teacher. It is my mission to help you learn the tools you need to heal your life and discover your deeper purpose. In each episode, I will allow spirit to speak through me, and we will explore energy forecasting, teach you how to raise your vibration for overall wellness, increase your emotional intelligence to open up joy in your life, and guide you into spiritual evolution using topics such as energy healing, emotion code, sacred geometry, numerology, tarot, crystals, channeling, and much more. Take a deep inhale, let it out, and listen to your soul speak to you. everybody. Welcome back to Soul Speak with Jenny Israel. You're here for your Soul Tribe Saturday special interview. And I am so super excited and thrilled to introduce my bestie of all besties. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not bipartisan at all. <laughs> this is Dr. Bethany Howe. She's the owner of Hawkins Animal Hospital and Wellness Center in Ronkonkoma, New York. And I've been wanting to get her on here to talk about not just veterinary care from a holistic perspective, but kind of this concept of really starting to reinterpret and reimagine the way that you are able to care for your animals and the different options that are out there. And I know that this crew that's listening is very much into homeopathic medicine, integrative medicine, holistic lifestyles. And Bethany actually offers all of this and more to your four-legged family members and feathered. You do birds, right? (laughs) Exotic birdies too. Yep, sure do. So In 2020, we actually saw an unprecedented explosion in the sales and adoptions for cats, for dogs, mostly dogs, to bring companionship to kind of fill that void that we were all experiencing during the heightened months of the pandemic, uh, especially during quarantine times. Now, there are there's always an uptick in animal adoptions and sales, you know, when we think of like holiday times, as far as Christmas time, you know, the Christmas puppies, the Christmas kittens, um, Easter time when people adopt chicks and chickens and bunnies and, you know, all of those things. But I think that it's important that we, we start to kind of look ahead outside of adopting this thing um, that we're going to bring into our homes to, to bring more love and companionship, how we need to be thinking ahead and how we need to be planning for their care. And I do certainly believe that, you know, from a spiritual perspective, as we are becoming much more um, sentiently connected or reconnected to our planet, that we are being very much drawn back to our nature friends and to the elemental realm for sure. And I think that we often forget that they are also souls. They are incredibly empathic. Um, They are little transmuters. You know, they, they pick up everything that's going on in the home, you know, they are our personal healers, not just our companions. And so really keeping this in mind that our little guys at home, our four-legged and feathered friends are 
also experiencing emotional shifts in the home, stress inside their little bodies. And so there's lots of ways that we can offer them care and holistic health protocols that maybe you weren't already aware of. So Beth is going to teach us a little bit today about that perspective of, you know, some some of the knowledge she's gained coming out of 2020, um, her concerns and hopes uh, for this year from her clients and from any other animal owners out there. So the first thing that um, I want to do is just kind of have Beth talk about the services that are offered at Hawkins. She is not just a doctor of veterinary medicine. She is also a certified veterinary acupuncturist. And there's lots of other things that are also offered at the hospital. So tell us a little bit about what's going on at Hawkins and why you decided to go from conventional veterinary medicine into more of an integrative field. Sure, sure. So hello, everybody, and thank you, dear Jenny, for having me on this podcast today. I'm very, very, very excited. It's been, as everyone knows, a really um, crazy, overwhelming um, time for everybody. And I think that it's been a, I feel very blessed to be doing this for my career because at the beginning, like everybody else, we didn't know if we were going to be able to even be open uh, for people and for their animal companions. So it's been kind of the polar opposite of what I thought it would be um, where, as Jenny said, things just kind of exploded as far as people really feeling that need to, you know, welcome pets into their home, the unknown of not knowing if, if they would have a job or be home or um, if they would be alone, they would have no one near them. And animals have been a huge, huge part of that for so many people dealing with all this um, uh, medical crisis and, and emotional issues that go along with it. So I feel very blessed that I've been able to be here. So, you know, we've been here now for um, six and a half, almost seven years, and we're doing a ton of uh, acupuncture, not only for um, animal pain and discomfort, palliative care for patients with cancer, comfort for animals who've had injuries. I see all of these posts on a lot of my Facebook groups about dogs that have had, you know, spinal trouble or orthopedic trouble. And they're saying, oh my gosh, I, you know, I was just given a, an option of, you know, surgery. Um, or I was given in some sad, you know, situations, um, an option for, you know, putting my pet down, what do I do? And, and I'm finding more and more as I scroll these, these pages on Facebook that um, people just, don't know the right questions to ask and also just aren't aware of the other other things that that can be provided for their pets things like acupuncture things like um, you know herbal remedies essential oils which we can you know get into a little bit later bioelectromagnetic energies uh, laser therapy so many things where people think they've reached their their end of the road even with traditional medicine they've said okay well now it's either uh, this, which comes with a huge, uh, not only emotional burden, but a big financial burden, or I have to say goodbye to my pet. And then, and, and, you know, some of these dogs are young dogs. Some of them are, um, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old dogs where the owners, you know, either in their head or there's kind of led to believe, well, you know, you know, your dog is old now and this is just kind of it. And, and what I've learned over the past few years is that that's not it. And it's been almost um, overwhelming, um, overwhelmingly emotional, um, overwhelming joy, and then kind of a little bit of regret that I didn't look more into these alternate options for my patients many years ago. I, you know, I graduated from 
veterinary school in 2005. And then I did a lot of uh, regular traditional medicine on the island for a few years before I went into emergency practice. And um, I should probably preface my conversation today by saying that I certainly have all the respect in the world for people that, you know, are, are in my field and do traditional medicine, you know, uh, surgeons, oncologists, I, I don't mean any disrespect nor any, uh, you know, to draw anybody away from that option if that's, you know, the decision that they've made for their pet. And I think that the take home message that I want people to understand today is it can be used together. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. And I think um, as Jenny was saying in all facets of our healthcare, I think we really are kind of evolving towards that integrative way, uh, which to me is just, um, there's nothing better in my opinion. And so, you know, going back a few years, I, you know, when I was trained in internal medicine, it was all about medicine. You do this, you take this pill, you feel better, right? And you can probably see this in a lot of human medicine too. Um, you take this antibiotic, you take this um, anti-anxiety or anti-psychotic medication, you're immediately gonna feel better. Well, that's great and you may feel better, but you're not getting to the root of the problem. You're not addressing all the issues that go along with it. So I kind of went along that way for a long time. Emergency medicine was for me for a couple of years, kind of all about the adrenaline, not really a, a place at the time that I really considered anything alternative in my care. Um, but, but I, you know, I loved it. I loved when I was in medicine, I still love traditional medicine, but you know, I, when I started having a family going back almost nine years ago, which is, uh, when Jenny and I first met, which is so crazy to even think of, but Jenny was a, a huge part of my, uh, transition into integrative medicine. And, and um, I can't thank you enough, Jen, for that, because I don't know if I ever would be on the path that I am without that. Um, and my, you know, my oldest son, when he was little, he would have, you know, constant sinus issues, ear infections, runny nose. Um, and I would go to his pediatrician and they would say, okay, here you go. Steroids, antibiotics, steroids, antibiotics, steroids. And, and being a new mom, I kind of just took all of those, um, took all that advice. And, you know, when you're a new mom or a new pet owner, you kind of go, okay, what, whatever, just, just whatever you say is fine. I just want my child, whether that child has fur or not to feel better, just give me whatever's going to make them feel better. And I remember at one point going to a doctor for, I can't tell you the, the amount of times I had gone and he said, okay, here you go. And I literally looked at the script as he handed it to me. And I said, what, what, okay, great. Like, I know he feels better when we give this to him, but what are we treating? At no point did anybody say to me, which is also another big part of either today or maybe another podcast, but nutrition, what are you feeding your son? What is he eating? What's, what's in your household? Do you have pets? Do you know, no one ever sat down and really said to me, let's look at him as a whole entity of, of what he's taking in, what's in, what's in his environment. Let's just give him the medication. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of crazy. You know, as a doctor, I know that the body's very systematic. And is there something wrong with his lungs? Is there something wrong with his sinuses? Should we image him? Should we be taking an x-ray? No one ever put that forward to me. And I literally said to myself, well, that's weird because for my patients, I'm not going to give them, you know, sometimes I'll give them a medication if the owner says, you know, let's just try this doc and see how it works. Great. But I'm certainly not going to do that over and over and over again. So um, in that time, in speaking to Jenny, she was on the path to, to using essential oils at the time and had guided me and said, you know what, why don't you give this a try? 
and see how this works. And I tell everybody this story at, at every lecture I ever give about my journey um, is that I started Brennan, uh, my oldest son on these essential oils. I put them on him. I diffused them in his room. And, you know, um, almost immediately within the first week, he was better. And I never had to take him back for that issue ever again, you know, unless it was a seasonal thing where he had a cold. So I certainly recognize that immune systems change and they get strong, but that was like my aha light bulb moment where I said, my gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I, why did I do this so long? And I had guilt about kind of putting my son through all these things, but I knew no better. And I literally had that moment where I sat and I said, my gosh, I never thought about it until I had children that we really are pediatricians in a sense, because we have these little creatures that um, can't really speak to us verbally. We have to kind of assume how they're feeling. Um, they have an owner or a parent attached to them who's very emotional, who doesn't really know what's going on. And I thought, wow, if I can, if I can, if my son could have this positive experience and do better, then why, why am I limiting myself in my career in vet medicine? Why am I not looking into essential oils? Why am I not looking into what vaccines my patients have had, what they're eating and, and looking at them as a whole entity versus just being this, this number. And I felt again, kind of a sense of guilt because I felt like I was kind of treating my patients like numbers, um, which I think is a, a huge problem, certainly in, you know, our medical field. And so I immediately kind of, you know, took off with essential oils and met a lot of people along the way. And that kind of snowballed into all these other things, um, energetic healing, you know, at the time I, I didn't have this practice yet. So I got attuned in the first two levels of Reiki and started using that a lot, started using that for all of my patients, whether they were in for, um, a regular checkup or they were undergoing something, um, you know, like a surgery. And at the time, which was really, really cool. Um, I had my whole staff attuned, um, by a local Reiki master. And, th and that was really awesome for me at the time, because I would tell everybody, even if they were new to Reiki, I would say every single person that interacts with your pet from, you know, at the time, obviously people were coming in. So whoever is checking you in from reception to getting you into the room and, and they're all giving that Reiki, you know, loving energy to your pet. And I will tell you the amount of people that would say to me, oh my gosh, my dog used to be, would never go to the vet. And now they come running to the door. <laughs> Certainly wasn't, it wasn't every pet. I'm not going to say every pet just comes trouncing in full of joy, but most of them could feel that, that calming presence. And so when we bought this hospital, I said, I want Himalayan salt lamps. I want diffusers. I want spa music. I want these, these poor babies to come in and know that it's a loving environment. Um, as much as it is a hospital and there's things that we do that are, that aren't so pretty. I want them to know that it's a, you know, that it's kind of a calm and, 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 peaceful environment and to make it as fear-free as possible for them. And then the, you know, the last foundation that I built a couple of years ago was um, getting trained in acupuncture. And again, that was another like, oh my goodness, why didn't I do this years ago? Because, uh, you know, again, I've had dogs who've said to me, doc, I've been told my, my dog has to have surgery right now, or I should put him down. Dogs that haven't been able to walk that with acupuncture, get their strength back. Do, uh, you know, people that have prepared for their, their patient, their owner, uh, their pets to, to pass on to the other side have been given months to years, um, using these therapies. And, and it's just been, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. So as far as 
coming out of this last year of, of mm -hmm. crisis and pandemic, um, mm -hmm. have you seen, have you seen, uh, an opening with your clients of more people coming in to consider these other kinds of alternative treatments? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of them have been. And what I always tell people, especially when they come in for the first time is, you know, they are, they are such little sponges and they're such little vessels for what their owners are feeling. It's, it's been a huge part of, of that whole process and people just reaching out. And I think knowing that they have a practitioner who's not just going to, um, you know, here's your vaccine and have a good day. Um, it's, it's, it's been huge. And I think people are really needing someone who's going to take the time and who's going to really talk about all the different facets of medicine. People are people are sad, people are lonely. And, you know, I, I laugh and we laugh amongst our colleagues that we're not just veterinarians. A lot of our time is spent being, you know, psychiatrists or psychologists, even though we're not, you know, that, that dog or cat is attached to that owner, that owner might be experiencing, you know, loss or, or anxiety or fear. And, and uh, I do see that I see that in their pets. And so I think that when, I can kind of give that healing to them and that love to them that just, you know, they give that back to their owner. It's a total commensal thing, you know, and it's a really beautiful thing, but yes, it's, it's been, there's been an incredible amount of an increase in my clients that have been looking for that type of experience for sure. So let's talk um, case study a little bit. You know, I know that you, you already kind of mentioned a couple of the things that you're, you're seeing, especially with the acupuncture and laser and, and mm -hmm. the Beamer therapy and, you know, things like that helping with, um, you know, chronic arthritis or, you know, these things that are going on. I mean, I've just being tuned into your Instagram page watching the the stories of these little guys that literally came in with zero mobility in their back legs to ripping around mm -hmm. the hospital. So mm -hmm. can you can you tell um, some of the listeners, maybe just pick your your favorite one um, and just kind of talk about the process that you went through with that particular client? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to I'm going to maybe do two because I, I can't really pick between the two because they're kind of different um, systems. So the first one is uh, probably one of my favorite patients. Her name is Coco. She's an older black lab and um, she comes from a, a, a long history of having allergies and all sorts of issues. And she's been a very good client for many years, probably since I've owned the hospital. Very, very amazing owners who will do everything for her. And I got a call um, late one night, my gosh, over a year ago, probably close to a year and a half ago that Coco was in the hospital um, that she was bleeding internally, that she had a large uh, mass on her spleen, potentially her liver, and that the, the emergency room was telling her that she had to take Coco for immediate surgery um, or that they should put her down. And the owner called me, uh, obviously hysterical, um, faced with that decision where um, it was something that you could not have seen coming. She was acting fine, eating, drinking, acting like a normal older lab. And then all of a sudden was faced with this, this, this huge decision and not knowing what to do. And she had said to me, I can't, I just can't put her through surgery. I'm afraid she's not going to make it. Um, and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to come see me tomorrow. You know, you're going to let them have her, you know, keep her overnight watcher. You're going to come see me tomorrow. I'm going to look at her. We're going to kind of make the best plan for what we need to do for her. And so, you know, she came in, we basically looked at her food, we revamped all of her nutrition, 
we got her on some really, really good diets that have been shown to benefit again, supposed cancer. She's never had a biopsy, so we don't know if it's hundred percent cancer, but whatever it is, it was bad enough to, to get her to that state. And I said to the owner, listen, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can with nutrition, with herbs, with essential oils, uh, with CBD, whatever we can, because you're, I know that we're not going to go the, the traditional route and she's not ready to, she's not ready to go. She was, she was rebounded and full, filled with life that next day. So I said, you're going to do this. We're going to do this together. She cooks for her dog. She gives all the supplements. She does CBD. Coco was given no chance to come off the surgery table, or I should say a very small chance of making it off the surgery table. And then had she come out of surgery, she was given like a three month prognosis. And that was a, a pretty extended expectation. And this is over, I think we just passed our year and a half mark and she's doing fantastic. And, and every time I talk to the owner, I say to her, can you imagine, like, can you imagine? She said, oh my God, I am so thankful that I did not make that decision. And again, that ER made that, that recommendation based on their best, you know, indication of what should be done. And I, again, don't disrespect that at all, but we say all the time, oh my gosh, think of all the other dogs that, you know, maybe the owners said, oh, that's it. There's nothing we can do. And I see Coco every one to two months and yeah, she's slowing down. She's an older girl, but she's thriving. She's eating. She's doing all the normal things. She, when I go to her house, I do house calls for her. She goes into her basket, pulls out her favorite toys and starts ripping around. Like you said, with them in her mouth, like nothing's wrong. And we always look at each other, me and her owner and say, how can she, how can she have all this going on inside? And of course she gets Reiki. There's a couple of things, unfortunately she can't have. Um, it's important to mention with, with cancer, there's certain things that we really can't, you know, we can't go over the top on acupuncture. We can't do, you know, um, you know, laser therapy and things like that. But so that's a, that's one particular case where, you know, nothing really, you know, orthopedic or, or painful, but more of a palliative long-term care plan. Um, and then, you know, my other patient was a more recent one that Jenny knows because Jenny saw this, this adorable little Sheltie named Finn uh, <laughs> before, before she referred him my way. He's a very young boy. I want to say he's five. Yeah, have that's right. Five, yeah, five. he's five. So he is a, for all intents and purposes, like, you know, he's a baby in my opinion at five years old. And unfortunately genetics um, did not give him great joints. So he's got severe, severe arthritis, um, you know, on his spine, especially on his forelimbs, on his elbows. And there's just, you know, not much you can do when you're, when you're kind of born with that. And it's just, and he's a very active dog. So his owner came to me and was like, listen, I, you know, I don't want to, I know that there's options for surgery, but I know they're going to go into those joints. They're going to kind of, you know, scrape them, maybe take samples of them, but you know, more than anything, be super invasive and with no real therapy, like you can't, you can't amputate all your legs. You got to live with what you have. And so he said, whatever it takes, I want to get him feeling better. So we made a treatment plan for him, including acupuncture, including laser therapy and laser therapy and beamer therapy, both um, uh, work at the level of the capillaries, especially the beamer works at that smallest vessel in the body to decrease inflammation and increase healing to certain areas. And that's, um, the, that's the electromagnetic frequency healing, correct? Okay. Correct. So we use that on him. And then he also went on some Chinese herbs. Um, and essential oils. And I will tell you, Finn came in really ouchy. The first couple sessions, we were like, all right, we're not getting there yet. He's still ouchy, still ouchy. By week two, 
no limping, zero, none, gone. And I actually just called his owner last week just to kind of check in. And he said that Finn is doing fantastic. And, you know, he like, you know, with the temperature changing and arthritis obviously is affected, you know, they're affected a bit more when it's colder. He's like, he'll let me know when he, God forbid, knock wood, has a relapse, but he's doing great. And I thought to myself, well, that's awesome. And that's another thing to, to point out is that you're not necessarily going to come in and get one acupuncture and be doing cartwheels out the door. It's going to take time. It's going to take some perseverance, but with that, with that, with the right owner and with somebody doing things and, and, and coming in on a schedule, he's doing amazing. And I haven't seen him. I don't think it's been over well over a month where he's been pain-free and doing fantastic. So those are probably two, you know, one, you know, skeletal and arthritic, and then the other systemic cancer um, that have just been, you know, and that's just two out of, I don't even know how many, but two that just come to mind is two of my most favorites recently. That's awesome. I remember when Finn came here for his, his little energy treatment and, you know, he, as he was getting ready to walk out the door, his leg was still going out from under him. It was like almost a complete collapse. You know, it was like the weakness came all the way up from the pelvic joint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it, it really, it, I don't know if it's how we normally think of our animals, you know, from the perspective of them being, you know, taking all of these different things on and, and from Mm -hmm. all different perspectives, like genetic, bad breeding, the age of the dog, the, the home that they're living in or the home that they were living in before they got rehomed these, all of these different components the dog is bringing just like a person does, you know, I I mean, they're bringing their history. And so I have to imagine that, you know, of the people that were adopting and purchasing and, and all of that over the last year or so, we're looking at a variety of ages, a variety of issues, a variety of breeds. Um, And, you know, knowing that each dog is like a person where there is individual as a fingerprint, you know, customized for their particular situation. But Mm -hmm. is there a general protocol that you can give people of how they can get started if they if they want to start looking at a more integrative way of dealing with their animals? What's Mm -hmm. the best way to get started on some sort of plan? Right, right. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. My patients come from all different backgrounds. You know, I have some that have you know, been purchased from breeders. I've had some that have come from, from rescues. I've had some that have come from, from puppy mills and that's a whole nother segue of things. I'm going to try and stay on track, but yeah, I I think that the first thing I would say to remember, and uh, this is kind of one of my, the thorns in my side, so to speak, but you have to trust your medical professional, whoever you deal with. I can't tell you how many, um, you know, puppies I get usually from breeders where it'll have instructions to the owners, Um, you know, give this medicine until this much time, see your vet, but don't let your vet do A, B, C, and D. Um, It's, it's a real weird time. Um, The, the, the dichotomy between veterinarians and breeders, generally, I have a really good relationship with breeders, but sometimes I'll have people come in and they go, Oh, here you go, doc. Like this is the paperwork from my breeder. And I don't want my dog to get this or that. I don't want it to get, my breeder told me, and I literally will say, okay, (laughs) let's just take a breath. And I am the medical doctor. Your breeder knows a whole lot about reproduction or getting a dog pregnant, maybe all the things that it takes to, um, you know, bring puppies into the world. But as far as all the medical background, we need to be on the same page. And so that's my, my first piece of advice is 
make sure that you kind of interview the vet that you're going to have and make sure that you have somebody who listens to you. And I think this is something that again, goes in, in line with human medicine. Cause I have a really hard time. I had a really hard time finding a general practitioner for myself and my family. Um, because a lot of times you see a vet, they look at paperwork, they, they give you vaccines and out the door you go. And a lot of times people go, oh my gosh, I don't even know what happened. So when I first meet a client, I try and give them and I think that's a, a big thing, knowing that you have options. Um, I think a lot of people are not given that in, in every facet of healthcare. And they're just kind of told, well, this is what you have to do. So anytime I, you know, I have a new, a new puppy, I make sure that I give them all of their options. And I say, listen, this is kind of what our recommendations are. However, if you are more inclined to be on the more holistic or integrative side, and it doesn't have to be exclusive. And I think that's why I, I really need people to understand, um, which is really, really important. Um, when you go to an integrative vet, or certainly the way I practice is, I'm not an, an anti-vaxxer. I don't believe vaccines are the devil. I don't believe vaccines are, are meant to harm our patients. Um, so I should make that very clear. Vaccines are, are very important. However, I believe in responsible vaccination. So really having a conversation of, okay, has your dog had any vaccines before your dog came to me? And that's another thing, you know, you look at what vaccines have been given and you hear about dogs getting pummeled with vaccines. And a lot of times the veterinarians are being blamed for that, where I cannot tell you how many puppies I've seen where they've gotten six or eight vaccines before they even come to me at eight or 12 weeks of age. Now we're not even supposed to start vaccinating until they're eight weeks. So it's, it's a whole interesting thing because a lot of times they're already like suffering vaccinosis or over vaccination before I even get to see them. So I think, you know, by starting with what your options are as far as vaccinating um, and then talking about, you know, overall health, nutrition is a huge one for me. Um, and it never was until the past several years, you know, in vet school, I'm going to be very candid in vet school, um, no matter unless it's changed in the past few years from what I've gathered and what I've seen, it hasn't. Our nutrition for, from, from the canine perspective, even, I mean, we had to learn about chicken and pigs and horses and all that stuff that's <laughs> left my brain at this point in my career, but you basically were given this big giant book, this big from written by Hills nutrition, which we know is like the biggest, you know, big pharma of pet foods and said, just feed Hills science diet. And here you go. No one talked about whole foods. No one talked about raw foods. Nobody talked about alternatives. We basically were just given kibble. And for the, a lot of my career, that's kind of what I said, yep, feed kibble. And it's funny to me because I'll still have people who go, Oh, I shouldn't tell you this, but I give my dog grilled chicken. And I'm like, that's amazing. Or, oh, I give, I gave my dog some blueberries. Yay. Like it brings me joy. And they go, oh, really? I'm allowed to, I thought I just had to give them like that dry processed crap and that's it. No, that's Who wants to eat that? You know, I, I get it. Dogs are different. You know, pathophysiologically, they're different. They don't have the same exact digestive tracts, but it's pretty damn similar. So why wouldn't they want to have whole unprocessed food? if they can, like who wouldn't. So, um, you know, talking to your veterinarian about that and saying, well, Hey doc, are you open to other types of feeding? And, and if you have someone who says absolutely not kibbles the best, I'm sorry, I'd run right out of there. I'd run right out of there if that was me. Um, you know, when you get into the raw feeding that, that gets a little dicey because there are some things to be concerned of. Some people think raw feeding is just, you know, throwing some Purdue chicken in a bowl. Absolutely not. And again, that's a whole nother topic. Um, but I think that 
you know, talking about the, the, the vaccine schedule that you would like. Is there an other option? Has your dog had a lot of vaccines before you, before you even brought them to the vet? Um, ask your vet about titering, which is where you draw, the veterinarian draws a little bit of blood and sends it out to a lab and it tells you um, how much antibody presence there is in the system. Does your dog need necessarily another vaccine right now? Um, the nutrition portion, if your vet is open, if your vet is open to other possibilities of treatment. Again, I do believe in, in, in treatment of or prevention of fleas. Tick-borne disease is really common, especially here on Long Island. Heartworm disease is common. I, I don't think it's as common up here as it is in the South. Um, but I tell people all the time, uh, you know, I believe in alternative treatments for fleas and ticks. However, where I live, the woods comes right up to my backyard. So my dogs are going to get the, the chemicals for flea, tick, and heartworm. And, and I don't believe that that kills dogs. Um, do I believe some dogs have um, unfortunate reactions? Yes, I do. And I also know that in human medicine, sometimes people have unfortunate reactions to medications and it happens. Um, but, but finding a vet, if you're, if you're interested in that holistic approach, and I, I should mention, if you go onto the Holistic Veterinary Medical Association website, you should be able to find a list of vets that practice holistic care and acupuncture in your area, just so that you, you know, when you do your search, you can easily find one that's open to doing different, different types of treatment. That's amazing. So I know that there's some different ways that people can um, find uh, find you, and you know, even if they can't get physically to Hawkins in mm -hmm. Ronkonkoma, um, mm -hmm. 2020 has put us all in a very interesting situation of being able to do things virtually. So I know yeah. you've been doing telemedicine as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I know that people can set up consultations via phone or virtually for a very reasonable um, price for mm -hmm. your your time. Um, mm -hmm. But how else can people how else can people find you? What's what's the best way to make contact? I would probably say through either calling the, the hospital, which I can give you that information, or probably social media. Uh, my handle is the integrative vet on Instagram. I generally do most of my posting and respond to messages on there. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the easiest way. Okay. Yeah. And then you guys can always stay tuned to Hawkins website. Um, there's, there's also a website for Hawkins hospital and wellness center. Um, the, I know that Beth has people that come to her from New Jersey, from Connecticut, you know, that, that drive, you know, from the far East end of the Island that are coming in for New York city. Um, so, you know, is, what do you think with people that may not have access to someone that's close by, is it worth it to go for an in-person visit just to get you started? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And what I've been telling people is that when I can, that's the biggest part of COVID that's, that's very hard for me is this face-to-face. -face. I think that's super important. And so the way that curbside has been working is, you know, um, you know, people will arrive to the parking lot. One of my wonderfully trained staff members will go out to get your pet and bring your pet into the building. And then I'm doing my exam and then calling people. Um, and I just want to kind of segue really quick. And just to say that, please, you know, curbside is not what any of us want to do at all. It's just what we have to do right now. And I think most people are understanding that. And I think if anybody has any hesitation, they need to know that their pet is being loved just as much, if not more than if you were in the building. You know, some people have some hesitation. My poor baby, what are they going to do without me? And I got to tell you, 
most of the time they, again, going back to them, they're kind of being sponges for us. They feel the anxiety of their owner with them sometimes. And, and I say that, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I had a little cutie today, Barnaby, that's his name, adorable. And he's the cutest little thing. And he's usually anxiety ridden. I go, he's hanging out. Like we've been friends forever. He's so calm. And yeah, they're like, really? So I want people to understand that we're giving all the love while we're in here. You know, what, I don't know what people think we're going to do when they're not inside, but people need to be rest assured that everything's going to be okay. And eventually we'll get back out there, <laughs> you know, but I, but I, uh, I've been trying to kind of go outside as long as it's not hailing or pouring rain and just at least meeting people um, despite a mask being on my face and coming out. And I think that makes all the difference. And, and I certainly, um, I feel it's worth it. You know, I always say I drive 30 minutes for my kid's pediatrician. I would drive an hour to my kid's pediatrician or more if I felt it was somebody that I could know and to trust. So I don't think that um, distance should, should preclude anybody from, from seeking out. And I, and I think that there's more and more integrative vets coming um, up the up the pipe. And I think that in vet schools now, they're doing a lot more integrative uh, classes, which is really, really exciting, which means we're gonna have a whole new class of graduates that are interested in this line of medicine. There's also, uh, and again, as, after COVID, I do house calls also. So I should probably mention that it's not really the, the best time, but once this pandemic's a little bit more in our rear view mirror, I, I'm available to do that. And I drive out to um, the Hamptons, um, you know, I, I go far if, if need be, and, and it's all, it's worth it to me if it's worth it to, to you and, and to your, your pet, you know? So those are all things that are, that are coming soon. I hope. Well, I genuinely appreciate your time. I know that there's a lot going on and this is usually your lunch hour. So I very, (laughs) very much appreciate you taking this time to share your story and to educate all of our listeners about the the other options that they may have not even known about or potentially started to think about and didn't know where to begin. And, you know, just encouraging everyone to take a broader perspective when they're thinking about their four-legged and feathered and, and, you know, reptilian friends at home, you know, I'd say mostly for dogs because they do tend to be more sentient um, than some of the other animals, but that's not to say, you know, I mean, Beth doesn't currently treat horses, um, never say never, I guess, but, you know, they say that they are incredibly in tune to the energy therapies and the different kinds of things, but, you know, they're the little teacup pigs and, and the kitties and the bunnies and, you know, all of these things that we take on knowing that it's going to bring joy with not really knowing all of the responsibility that might come with that. And the different breeds have different personalities where they're coming from has a lot to do with their trauma. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we don't tend to think about and we idealize having a pet. And then when the real responsibility hits, these poor guys end up in shelters and, and on the street and, you know, different places. And I think that we, we really need to think on a soul level here about these beings because they literally live for you. They live for their owners. Um, and the, the trauma of being dehomed or, or left on the street or placed in a shelter or, you know, I mean, these are things we need to know that there are lots of choices and lots of options that can come before that. And Mm -hmm. that even on a behavioral level, these integrative therapies are so successful for rescues that have 
destructive behavior and anxiety issues and separation problems and you know all of these things that a lot of people are like oh it's just too much dog and there you know there's too many problems we 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 just have to get rid of them when there are solutions that can be mm-hmm. offered for your pet and with someone who has a holistic and integrative mind being able to intuitively look at lots of different pathways for treatment and so mm-hmm. now that all of you are animal owners you know for for the most part and taking in, you know, more families taking in new puppies and and kitties all the time, you know, please don't hesitate to find a good resource or reach out to Beth um, to ask your questions. But Thank you so much again for spending your time and sharing your your knowledge and education. And thank you all that tuned in to, to listen to this podcast and joining us for Soul Tribe Saturday. Sending you all lots of blessings and light and love. And until the next time, thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Soul Speak. I'm Jenny Israel, medical intuitive, energy healer, spiritual activator, counselor, and teacher. You can learn more by following me on Facebook or Instagram at Jenny Israel CPC. That's Jenny Israel and then the letter CPC. If you would like to receive more messages from Spirit directly to your mailbox, visit JennyIsrael.com, scroll down to the bottom, and subscribe to my newsletter. You can also contact me through my website or social media to set up a one-on-one session or to check out my upcoming spiritual development classes. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help support my show by giving it a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Spirit and I will speak to you again soon. Blessings and light to all.